show in the five years, we've gained a mythology. We we have? Yeah. You gained a mythology? I'm a myth? We're both myths. Stuff like uh, the fact that... Well, you, I can see why you would be a myth. <laughs> the fact that, like, there are people who refer to who the beautiful one now. Yeah. Who talk about how you can love your characters, but you can't and love your characters. We all feel better. In the dark. We all feel better. In the dark. I'm gonna drop this one time for your mind right now. Tommy D on the mic, best listen up now. Better in the dark is taking place right now. But this ain't a normal show, this is point five now. Yeah, I said it, show's a little shorter. But they give you content in a timely order. So take notes of everything they mentioning. Better in the dark, point five, get the listening. Hyphen, what it is right now. Thomas, what it is right now. Derek, what it is right now. Better in the dark, what it is right now. <laughs> and until we get back in touch with you. Go watch that movie. Right, Devin? Go watch that <laughs> Welcome to a special episode of the Superhero Cinephiles podcast. I'm half of your host, Perry Constantine, and um, the other half if you've listened to the last uh, special episode, is unfortunately no longer with us. Derek Ferguson passed away on April 4th, uh, 2021. Uh, like I mentioned, if you listen to the last uh, the last special, I'm working on trying to get people together to come and uh, come on the show and, and talk about Derek. And we, we were trying to see if we can schedule like a, a round table thing, but there there's one person in particular that I think it's better if and uh, we both kind of thought it'd be better if we kind of sit down and just talk just the two of us, um, because mm-hmm. like me, this is a guy who had hosted a podcast with Derek for very long. Um, and that is a guy I've also known for many years. And, and that's Thomas DJ, who he and Derek hosted the Better in the Dark podcast. So this is uh, the first time we're doing um a podcast like the, our two podcasts are kind of merging together so i guess we could call this superhero cinephiles are better in the dark so uh tom how are you doing today well as i was saying as well as can be expected um i think you know it, it, i think it, it took a lot of people by surprise and i've been kind of numb for a couple of days because this man this man stood by me at my worst yeah yeah i i've definitely um been in those situations as well and that was one of the things that um you know even though now you you had a different experience because you and derek actually actually knew each other in person you would you lived yes yes i mean together yeah we we lived only about what, about three, two three miles away from each other oh, okay yeah and um we found that out by accident, mm-hmm. obvious. But uh, but yeah, no, I, he was one of my closest friends. Well, that's a that's a good place to start. Is um, how how did you and Derek uh, first meet? How did you guys first? How did you discover by accident that you live so close together? Not surprisingly, we 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 met quote unquote due to due to the fact that I dropped a film reference in one of my fan fictions. <laughs> Uh, in Bill Katepi, our, 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 our good mutual friend down in uh, New Orleans, um, started a fanfic site called DC Year One, mm-hmm. 
that was based on a role-playing game that he had he uh, play-by-email role-playing game that he had devised. That led us to, well, why not we also do Marvel Year One? And I did, I, I won Daredevil, because Daredevil has always been one of my favorite characters. Uh-huh. And in one episode, I made one issue i made a reference to derek flint Mm. and derek sends me an email saying you know i had to talk i had to say say you know anybody who knows who derek flint is these days and we started corresponding and we learned we were in the same we're in the same city and that led to us to our surprise realizing how close together we were Mm -hmm. so I was a member of the H at the Horror Writers Association of America, and we were doing a they were doing a special screening for HWA members in New York for Hellboy. Oh, okay. And I, by, by this time, we've been talking on the phone, mm-hmm. and these phone conversations were epic. As they I think that Patricia Derek, yeah. would basically tell Derek, get the hell off the phone and come to bed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's and absolutely so I said, hey. Yeah, yeah. And so I I said, do you want to come and see Hellboy? And he said, yeah, yeah, I do. So we, he came as my guest, met F. Paul Wilson, did not know F. Paul Wilson was a major influence on him. Oh, Okay. So um, he because he was talking about it, and I'm like I'm turning around and there, there's F Paul and and I'm like this is this is you know F Paul Wilson and he's like that's F Paul Wilson <laughs> <laughs> and it was one of the few times I saw him starstruck mm-hmm. but um, and we we saw Hell, the Hellboy film for the first time that was the first film we ever saw together. Shortly after that, we went and did it again for a film called Identity. Mm, yeah, I remember that. Which movie. I, I think he has a, had a little bit more of an opinion, better of a high opinion of than I did. Yeah, that was uh, that was something that him and I we we made reference to it uh, several times on the show as a movie yeah. we both enjoyed. And around this time, a friend of mine had started an internet radio station. You guys all remember internet radio? Mm-hmm. And it was very vaguely, be, yeah. Uh, yeah, very vaguely, and it was supposed to be sci-fi based, and he came to me and said, could could you do some programming for it? Mm-hmm. And one of the ideas I had was a, an audio drama, which I was working on with, with David Ellis, uh-huh. And I said, the other thing is, I'd love to do a like a movie, like a, a, sh- a show about movies, and I'd like to bring my friend Derek in. And, and that was the start so of Better in the Dark. Then started the Better in the Dark, exactly. Uh-huh. And so on Super Bowl Sunday, two thousand and seven, uh-huh. we recorded before going up to watch the football, the first three episodes of what we call Better in the Dark, which is a reference that I took from Pet Shop Boys song, We All Feel Better in the Dark, Mm -hmm. which I thought was a good 
metaphor for what the movie going experience is like. Because the thing about going to the movies is it's one of the few places where you are you can sit down with total strangers having the same experience. Right, right. Communally. And, and mm-hmm. some of my best ex- favorite experiences are when we... when. I was in the, a movie. I, I like the site usually Saw. The first time mm-hmm. I saw Saw, and the big reveal at the end, and everybody in the theater together just went, oh! mm-hmm. and and it's that communality where you don't know who who you're you're with or who you're from. You, you're for that moment united. Right. Yeah. So, but anyway, so we did these first three episodes, and we. I, I edited them and I sent them to to, to Michael Falou and Michael they didn't put them out. So we figured, what the hell? We might as well put them out on this thing called the intra the intranet mm-hmm. on two thousand in two thousand and seven, and people liked it and we liked getting together and because that that was the thing about Better in the Dark. It was just the two of us hanging out for the whole day, right. You know, I would show up around 11 o'clock and we would we record some episodes and then we'd have lunch and we just we would just hang out for the whole day and just. Um, and I think that was that's the strength of any great podcast. Is the sense that. It's not just two people conducting business, it's two people having a conversation and you set up a chair for them. Yeah, and I think that's Derek especially made that a much more mm-hmm. uh, personal experience, just because he had that kind of that kind of personality where even if you yeah. don't didn't know him very well, you felt mm-hmm. like you knew him very well. Like he just had yeah. that kind of personality where he made you feel like you you'd known each other for years. I remember we did um, we did a we were guests on um, the Pop DNA. Uh, pop right. culture DNA podcast um, <clears throat> fairly recently. This was just a few months ago. And we were talking about, and you know, the, the, the two women who run that show, they, we didn't know them at all. We had no prior connection to mm-hmm. us. They had just discovered our podcast and they just sent me an email and they said, Hey, we're doing um, uh, a series on black Panther. We listened to your episode. Mm-hmm. We really liked it. We were wondering if you guys would like to come on and right. we came on and within like not even five minutes, uh, Derek was talking to these these women as if he had known them for years. Derek, well, Derek was a showman. Yeah, Derek did not would not would not admit to being a showman, but Derek was a showman, mm-hmm. and that's part of the reason why I think he was he was successful in promoting his own work and in promoting the works of others, mm-hmm. and. As such, he has that kind of big personality that people gravitate towards. Yeah. And I learned much, much later that he agreed to do better in the dark. He he didn't have any interest in being on on, uh, the radio at first, but he did it because he knew I needed something to focus on Mm -hmm. during this time because I was... You know, for those of you who don't know me, I have I suffer, I've suffered all my life with severe bipolar mm-hmm. disorder and uh, something that they call explosive mood disorder, 
which means that anything that you would experience at 100%, I would experience at 200%. Right, right. And that made life difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah, understandably so. so. Uh, so, but, but yeah, no, but so we would do it uh, basically once a, we used to be like once a month, once every two months, I would get on the train and later onto, uh, onto my bike, Emma, <laughs> and we would record a couple of episodes and hang out for the, for the day. And then I would go home. Yeah. Yeah. For us, and... it was, um, we were just doing it week to week through, um, originally through mm-hmm. Skype and then, uh, and then after the pandemic hit and I really discovered zoom for the first time, then we, and we found yeah. out that zoom actually lets you record on two tracks at the same time, which mm-hmm. <laughs> saved me a lot of trouble. We started doing it through, through zoom. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, what were, um, so when you first met, because uh, I know you said you guys went to the the Hellboy movie premiere, and that was in two thousand four. Uh, so, when, yeah. how long had when was the first time you had actually you know met? When did you start corresponding um, about? Uh, was, was I think about two thousand one, two thousand and two? It was fairly okay. fairly early on. Um, so we had corresponded, and then we started with started with then started the phone calls. Like I said, those epic phone calls that would that would start maybe at nine o'clock, and maybe if we were lucky, end around midnight, mm-hmm. where it was just the two, just me and him talking about movies and and the like such, because that was something we did. We had a great bond on, obviously, mm-hmm. and then it became. In fact, I think that was the first time I'd ever been invited over to his house. Was that, oh, okay. that Super Bowl Sunday? Mm-hmm. And he sometimes, because we didn't want it, want it to end, he would just drive me home because it wasn't that far away. So we could continue talking. Um, that was why I went back briefly to, to fan fiction in like 2000, was it 2012, 2013, when I did uh, those West Coast Avengers for uh, um altered views because he was like i'm doing the avengers and the other guys the guys doing the west coast avengers and i think you would be kind of cool and we started riffing and the next thing you know i'm right i i wrote gosh like 15 and i wrote them in a rather quick succession too that was the crazy thing but anyway but yes but the thing was and and derek was kind of insistent even though I would say, you know, we could do this remotely and like, no, no, I think this is part of our, our, our charm is doing it is us doing it together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So um, let me ask you about that because you, you and Derek had worked on a few different things like uh, fanfic wise and that kind of thing. What, what, what was, mm-hmm. what was your experience working with him? What was that like? I had no problems at all. Um, we would, cause the thing was we're two creative minds. Mm-hmm. So we're constantly bouncing ideas off of each other. And there, there is, in fact, somewhere in, in this, this mess of an archive that I keep, there are plans that Derek and I made for a couple of, cro- a couple of crossover stories with our, with our original characters. Uh-huh. Um, particularly, there is one with Diamondback and Elsa Dawn from... That long unfinished um, novel, Obsidian, Obsidian Revolver. 
Was it Onyx Revolver? Onyx Revolver. <laughs> I remember making a making a logo for that back in way back in the yeah. day. Yeah. Yeah, Onyx actually- Revolvers, yes. Yeah. So we had we had hammered out an idea for a diamond diamondback uh, Elsa Dawn story that was going to end with the two of them above over a coffin, you know, <laughs> guns drawn. <laughs> that would have um, that that would have been nice to see. Yeah, and, and we also had plans on because um, before I went through the last of my really dark phases. Mm-hmm. Um, we, Derek and I talked about a, a book, one of the, like the fourth book in the Shadow Legion series was going to be um, a collection of novellas and I'd have each of the characters team up with a different character from another, another writer. Mm-hmm. And so we have been talking about Dylan and, and the night um, Nightbreaker as his contribution. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, so we were all, but that's the thing. We were always talking about different projects, different things we wanted to do. We wanted to do a live better in the dark. We wanted to find at one point we were talking about finding a, uh, a pub or a, uh, some similar venue that we could rent out mm-hmm. and like just show a movie and sit and talk and just, you know, have, you know, have a t- good time with the audience. We were constantly talking about, but other things. he always, he always had ideas. I always had ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say that it took us a while uh, as any, I'm sure any, I'm sure you, your show did the same thing. It took, mm-hmm. Until, but I think the one that I like to think is the one that gelled what Better in Dark was going to be was when we did the Halloween retrospective, which I think was episode eight. Mm-hmm. And once we got that together, I, I think then we knew, okay, this is our rhythms, this is our, our habit. And, you know, we went through, we went through many things over those seven years. Mm-hmm. Um, and the one thing we knew is that any wild idea, heck, remember we had musical segments. That's right. I remember I, that. I, yeah. When, when Kalen Connolly, who, who, uh, did our theme song mm-hmm. and I talked on Friday after this, this was the news started reaching everybody. I, one of the first things I remembered was an episode where we talked about Dino De Laurentiis. Mm-hmm. And this conversation, he had this anecdote about how, yeah, I used to, I was an extra in that movie, King Kong. Mm-hmm. And he was describing about how, you know, we were all at the World Trade Center and we brought out this, they brought out this giant foam Kong. <laughs> and I started laughing. I said, that sounds like a sex act. <laughs> And the next thing you know, we're doing this rap song of Giant Foam Kong for you, baby. I got a Giant Foam Kong. <laughs> That's right. I do remember you guys doing those those little musical things on the air. Those were those were really those were really nice. And, and most of them were not planned. Right. Yeah. Most of them were not planned. Because the, the thing was, we we would like a, another favorite episode 
uh, episode that I remember is probably one of my favorite episodes was the last Christmas episode we did, mm-hmm. which was part supposedly part of our long delayed uh, summer of speed. Mm-hmm. And we were looking at existential car movies. We were looking at um, two lane blacktop, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. And um, vanishing point and other films around the, from that era. And for some reason, we got off on this debate about uh, maybe it's cold outside. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, and and I started talking about my favorite Christmas song, which is uh, the Pogues uh, Christmas uh, fairy tale of New York. And it just it was just once again doing this or like the time that he just out of nowhere asked me which which companion would I want to uh, travel with if I was the doctor. And I went on this like reasoned, I'm like, well, we, we, I could do this or I could do that or I could do, and I knew with, or I could just, I could just choose Karen Gillan and bang her all day. Uh-huh. <laughs> and he said, I'm, I'm proud of you. Cause I thought you were going to go right to that. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh, but yeah, but that's the thing is that we, even though we, we didn't have the script, uh-huh. But I, I, I used to have like an info sheet I would print out the, the first like year, uh-huh. but those were useless. So, but we always had an idea of what we were going to talk about, uh-huh. but it, it always ended up the last 20 minutes or so we would go ripping on something else. That was, yeah, that was, uh, you couldn't have a script with Derek and do a podcast. It's just, no, no. <laughs> that was, uh, that was something but I, I yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say that that was um, that was something I knew going into it because Derek and I had done um, a few shows in the past. He had been a guest on um, some other. He had, when I did um, the yeah. the exploding typewriter uh, pulp podcast, right. he had come on a few episodes of that. And just knowing from our conversations and knowing from when he came on those shows, I knew that. And he had also been on uh, Japan on film at that point as well. Right. And so I knew going in that. There's no script here. It's just, you're just going to, you know, you're just going to sit down with Derek and you're just going to let him go. <laughs> mm-hmm. and that yeah. Was- oh, yeah. No. I mean, I, I, once again, I think that was one of the reasons why Better in the Dark was as successful as it was. Yeah. That it was, it was a spontaneous conversation. Uh, now, granted, it was a conversation where usually we sat down and said, okay, we're going to talk about... There is still one episode of Better in the Dark, and I've not been able to get it out of the the Dalmatian, mm-hmm. which, was the, which was the jump drive that we, we used towards at the end of the run. I've not been able to get it out of the Dalmatian, which is, we did, and it was a great episode, we did an episode covering all seven of the Smoking and the Bandit films. Mm-hmm. Um... But but yeah no it's like okay we're gonna talk about the smoking the band films but then next thing you know we're we're you know like we're gonna talk about the non-zombie George Romero films and next thing you know we're riffing on Jason Statham yeah <laughs> there was one episode we did I can't remember I'm trying to yeah. think of the exact one where we had um, I think I even put in the episode description like in between all these other digressions we find some time to talk about this movie I think it might have been the New yeah. Fury episode. <laughs> A, a film that I remember him really liking and, and defending. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. He um he was adamant that we were going to be doing about. Uh, well, one of the things we did uh we had a nice arrangement. Um, mm-hmm. when we when we did the the show is um 
I, I, we decided right from the start that, you know, we'd alternate movie picks. So like I pick something mm-hmm. for the episode, then he picks something. So we, we had that okay. back and forth going, which, um, which really mm-hmm. worked well for us because he had a bunch of these, you know, really obscure superhero movies that he knew about. Well, he knew about obscure movies in general, but he also oh, knew yeah, about, um, but, and so like he brought in like, he, the like one of his first picks was, um, after he got through Batman, like his, his the pick after that was uh, Swamp Thing, and then he chose the original yeah. Doctor Strange movie, and then Nick Fury, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, and the Nick Fury episode. I just looked up the description between digressions about politics and comics, the Watchmen TV series, Crisis, and a whole bunch of other tangents. Mm-hmm. We kind of talk about our main movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's um, that was the thing. It usually would take us about fifteen minutes to actually get to the meat of the the episode yeah and we usually drifted off yeah of it towards the end of it which is why like i said in the last two years we were producing two hour to two and a half hour episodes of what was supposed to be a 45 minute show yeah yeah back in 2007 um and and usually it would come the the conversation the first 15 minutes was something that was spurred on by what was going on right that moment yes um i i was talking to my therapist this morning about one episode where the day that i had gone come over to record uh stig larson's estate had announced that his widow or his girlfriend or somebody had found an unfinished elizabeth salander um novel and they were going to they were going to have it completed and published and that went on to a long uh, discussion about what we would want done mm-hmm. which i'm almost afraid to, to listen to at this point yeah <clears throat> but um but yeah there's there's like the the um the time we started talking about the the republican that he says have you seen this new comedy show it's really crazy. They've got these guys. They won't. It's called the Republican Debates. Oh, I remember that thing. <laughs> yes. So. Um, yeah, we yeah, did. A, no, he, we did a lot of that. I remember, like, we we had a bunch of tangents, especially during mm-hmm. the during the past election. Like, we had a bunch of tangents about the yeah. um, about the Democratic debates, about um, mm-hmm. about all sorts of different things, and um, and we had a running joke that because uh, whenever we had taken like a week or two off. Mm-hmm. Some crazy crisis happened, and it's like I right. come back and I told him what the last time was uh, the after the insurrection, and we had oh, been off gosh. we had we had been off the air for like two weeks because um, uh, scheduling issues. There was also confusion because uh, my daughter had been born during that time too, and so mm-hmm. he he just assumed that I wouldn't be available to record, and so then I sent him an email. I'm like, hey, are we doing? where are you and he's like he's like oh i just thought i just assumed you know your daughter was born you wouldn't be recorded i'm like no she's still at the hospital right. i can't i can't even go over there yet because of covid so right but in uh so then yeah. when, we, when we finally got together mm-hmm. and i opened the the episode and i told him like you know i've got a theory that our podcast mm-hmm. is the glue holding the universe in in order because every time <laughs> we take a week off something insane happens mm-hmm. oh lord so i don't know what's going to happen now <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, but I I I know. Yeah, you know, that's what that's. I mean, I've been trying to keep it positive. 
Mm. That's the important thing, I think, is I, I, I'm one of these people that believes if you live a certain, if you live a, 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 a life that you wanted to live, and he did. Mm-hmm. He lived the life he wanted to live. Yeah. Um, we should focus on celebrating his life, not not um, obsessing over his de- the fact that he, he died. Yeah. And one of the things, and, too, is... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Okay. Uh, which is one of the reasons why I've been encouraging people to do, pos- you know, do positive things. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like, like I, cause you remember that list? I don't know if you, you I'm sure you saw that list on, I think it was Saturday that I posted. Uh, I don't think I did. On Facebook. Okay, well, I did, I did it and said, because that was a question that I got from a lot of people. And I was like, at the moment, I was still kind of numb going like, I, and I said, look, here, here, you know, buy a copy of his book and give it to somebody you think will like it. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know anybody like that, donate it to, the, to your local library. You know, go on, go on Amazon and leave reviews for newer authors. Because that was the thing that he, he was always big on, was encouraging yeah. people to be creative. Yeah, definitely. And, well, I mean, um, it was, it was, be- I mentioned this in the last episode, but it yeah. was because of him that I ended up writing my first novel in the, in, because he was the first person who said to me, he's like, you should write a novel. And right. at first I'm like, no. And he's like, yeah. And so then I, I then I had a few aborted attempts. Then finally I did. And now, you know, mm-hmm. 30 books later, and it's all due to yeah. that one conversation where he says, I'm ra- waiting for you to write a novel. Oh, oh yeah. It was because I, I had been writing original fiction in the 90s i was i was uh wrote about what about two dozen horror short stories you also wrote uh something for those um those old uh marvel compilation books oh gosh yes yes i'm looking at them right now yes i did uh stories for three for the three three of the byron price um marvel anthologies they were like they were ultimate before the actual ultimate comics (laughs) yes yes there was ultimate uh, which ones did I do? I did Ultimate Hulk. Mm-hmm. I did um, X-Men Legends, which features one of the weirdest covers I've ever seen. It just, I don't know what that painter was, was thinking of, but it wasn't the X-Men. <laughs> and, and five decades of the X-Men. So so I, I had some experience, but then I had a, a traumatic experience around 2000 that made writing horror not fun. Mm-hmm. So I did nothing but write fan fiction for a while. And Derek was always big on trying to get me back into doing original stuff. And it was him who introduced me to to Russ Anderson. In fact, that was another one of our earliest meetups. He said, my my, my publisher is coming in to do a a show here in Brooklyn. You want to come? And I'm like, okay. And um, it was because of Russ's How the West was Weird, and he said, you, you should write something for this. And yeah. I, I wrote, I wrote um, the first Adon Quavo story, mm-hmm. and he continued to try to encourage me, and mm-hmm. um, to the point where the Shadow Legion is partially his responsibility as well. Yeah, so my- that was originally... Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. You finish, finish your thought. Because um, that was originally a, a fan fiction mm-hmm. 
proposal and I was looking at it and I sent it to Derek and I sent it to Deron Fortier and I sent it to a couple of other people. And I said, am I crazy or should this be, I, I should just make this original. Mm-hmm. And Derek, like within like 20 minutes, said, yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> Get to work, dummy. Yeah. There was a, I had a situation like that as well. Um, and mm-hmm. this was actually a, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, this is a fan fiction series that you brought me in on. You asked me to do um, uh, Wolverine for, uh, I think it was Altered Visions or one of those other sites around there. Right. And and so I had written this uh, this series and it was like really, you know, brutal. And, yeah. and Eric was the one who said to me, he's like, why did you do this as fan fiction? This should be something original. And then I, right. eventually, then I did end up uh, repackaging it as... Uh, as an original novel mm-hmm. and um, and he was also instrumental in a lot of other stuff I did like he when I created my Elisa Hill character um, she was right. very different and you know just mm-hmm. workshopping her with Derek and he mm-hmm. gave me an idea that has been so crucial to that character is um, I've been like I had originally envisioned her as like you using a, a samurai sword a katana and, and he's right. like He's like, everybody uses a katana. He's like, why are you going to yeah. do like, he's like, you know what you should do? Have her use like ancient weaponry that nobody, use. I'm like, that's a good idea. And that became right. like, one of the characters trademarks. And that was because of, mm-hmm. and another one is one of the characters in it. Um, supernatural uh, uh, Japanese uh, uh, changeling. And right. he had said, he's like, you know what? I picture this girl as just being too cool. And like, you know, she's like, you right. know, she's like, she's, she's like, she's dressed in like a pinstripe suit. She's always wearing a fedora. That's how I, and that's become mm-hmm. like the character's signature look was because Derek gave me that piece of advice. Right. Well, that's, the, I mean, like all creatives whose path I've crossed, mm-hmm. he could not be creative. Right. And when he saw, when he talked with me frequently, we would go off on these world building tangents. There are worlds that we have created that nobody's ever seen. <clears throat> yeah. Cause we were just hanging out and going like, Oh, you know what was, you know, what would be cool if this happened. And then we would just start riffing. And, but, um, that, that's, that's why, uh, I, I suggested what has become the, the folded earth project mm-hmm. because and i i hope he, he does he's probably gonna roll roll his eyes when when i say this but i think of him and i think i think of derek and i think of jack kirby yeah I, in I, that I, yes in that jack kirby was all about go out and build your your own wonder yeah. And that's why a lot of these quote unquote tributes to Jack Kirby, where they revive the new gods for the 15th time, mm-hmm. or they revive, re- like, gosh, like, for goodness sakes, we've got the Eternals coming mm-hmm. on the screens. But I'm sure that if, if we were able to channel Jack Kirby, I think this is something that Mark Evaner first said, and this is something I agree with. If, if you asked Jack Kirby if he, what you could do in tribute to him, he would say, make your own stuff. You know, I'm working um, uh, on the side. I'm doing some work with uh, this uh, startup comic publisher. And that was how they started up was he said that we're in this artist group and they all wanted to do, they mm-hmm. want to do some Jack Kirby tribute and they all want, were 
throwing around, you know, drawings of like his characters. Mm-hmm. And, and then he finally just says, he's like, he's like, Hey, if, you, if we really want to honor Jack Kirby, we should just create our own characters. And, exactly. and, that, and that's how this, um, this thing started up that we're doing. And yeah, Derek was very much the same. I remember one time I, um, it was a few years ago, I asked him, um, you know, I'm like, I had started uh, doing some research about um, the old West and the Chinese diaspora mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. And I had asked him, um, because I knew he was a huge Western, Western guy. Like right. he, he, you know, I mean, he loved, he loved Westerns. Like baby loved his rattle as something Derek would, would have said. And, um, yes. and, and he, um, the, one of the things he said, you don't have to have the West to be a Western. Right. Yeah. And um, he had said to and I had asked him like, has, has, you know, I'm like, has there, do you know if there's ever been like, um, you know, a Chinese old West gunslinger? And he's like, no, but that sounds like a really good idea. You should do it. And then that right. led to to my um, my story for um, Pro Se's Asian Pulp, where I introduced the the Hatchet Man character Shun Han, which right. Derek and I had actually begun. We had we had signed a contract. We had begun mm-hmm. working on it. We were going to do a series of novels based on that character. And mm-hmm. um, he had actually um, one of our last conversations was he he asked me to resend him the, the information so he could get work on starting to plot out the, the first book. And right. So yeah, we, we would actually been hoping to get started on that, like around now. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, that, um, well, well, yeah. But, um, but I mean, that's something I, I don't know if I want to do just because one of the reasons I went to Derek was because he's so much more knowledgeable about the Western right. genre and stuff like that than I am. So I don't know if that project would ever see the light of day without him just because of mm-hmm. how, how much I wanted his input on that. But we are, yeah. we're not ready to announce anything yet, but we are working on some stuff that he would have liked, yeah. I think. Yeah. But it's it, that, that's the thing though, is if, if you want to honor him, create mm-hmm. yes yeah do put something new in the world mm-hmm. that somebody else can can look at and we get that sense of wonder from yeah i don't think there's that, one concept i've had that derek didn't have eyes on mm-hmm. in some form in the past in any any of my original stuff i don't think there's anything that derek didn't have eyes on mm-hmm. at one point before it came it was published yeah he well i mean uh, th- th- there are lots of characters that he and I talked about that mm-hmm. have never seen light of day. The infamous Tao Jones, mm-hmm. I still have half a book of, which was which was going to be my because uh, of course Derek and I had a great love of Peter O'Donnell's Monesty Blaze books, mm-hmm. and Tao Jones was my way to kind of pay pay tribute to uh, to O'Donnell. And um, she was supposed to be part of Sovereign City with uh, Fortune McCall. Oh, okay. And in fact, I think that we actually wrote a scene, uh, like a, like a, a brief crossover, crossover scene for one for one of the books. Mm-hmm. Um, but but yeah, no, it was like it was always we would just sit there and we'd come up with ideas, and it would strike me like thunder. Oh, that's what we should we should do. Mm-hmm. Um. I tried to get him when my life took this rather insane change last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did. I did try to 
to bring him in on um, what is now ATW. Because one of the first things was we have got to do, we got to do D- Dylan audio. Yeah. Yeah. Which is something that, something that, that he and I had talked about. And in fact, I recorded a couple of chapters of Dylan and the voice of Odin uh, with the idea that, we, that he was going to release them every month on his, on his audio, on his uh, Patreon. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, that, because I had the attention span up in that, kind of didn't go anywhere. But I remember reaching out to him and saying, I, I don't believe I'm doing this, but I, I've got an audio radio drama troupe now. And I'd love, I want I wanted to bring Dylan. Mm-hmm. To, uh, to other people and he goes tom i think you've got enough on your plate right now mm-hmm. you know you've got enough on your plate with strangers in paradise with the other stuff let's not let's not start that and i'm mm-hmm. like okay sure enough but i said i said to him i'm going to keep trying <laughs> well that was um yeah we had been talking about because i had in the past two two or three years or so i've started to take art classes and starting to work on my Mm -hmm. own art skills and Mm -hmm. one of my one of my goals one of the things i really wanted to do one of the things that i had envisioned doing is and Mm -hmm. i told him this and you know and that i would i wanted to do a dylan comic book with him and because we had worked um long time ago we had um, mm-hmm. I had adapted one of his um, one of his Dylan stories into comic script because Der- Derek hated writing comic scripts. He hated. Yeah, he, he just did not understand how to put them together. And so, like, when he whenever he had had a Dylan comic story, um, what he would do is he would write out it as a as a short story and then he'd send it to someone right. else to write the script. Like Rust did mm-hmm. a few scripts, I believe, um, for a lot of the right. a lot of the, like, I, I think all the ones that um Airship 27 has published all the Dylan comic stories were right. scripted by Russ, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, at one point I was trying to get a comic anthology together that unfortunately never really saw the light of day. The only three stories got completed from that uh, Airship 27 published, I think only two of them. One of them was a story mm-hmm. I did with Domino Lady. Another one was one Hunter Lambright did with uh, the Purple Scar, but none of these other stories had ever yeah. really gotten gotten completed. Uh, but one of the ones that came in was uh, was Derek had sent me, um, I believe it was a chapter from Pirates of Zanira or Legend of the Golden Bell or one of those, right. or some, one of those that, and he had um, he had sent me the story and I had worked and I had translated into uh, into script form and I had just had mm-hmm. such a ball doing that and I, and it was always something I'd wanted to do more of and. See, that was the great thing about Derek's writing is you got the sense you oh like with, with the Dylan novels, mm-hmm. you got the sense that you were you were hearing about three things in a Dylan novel, but for every for everything that you heard about, there were five or six things that happened that just didn't come up. Yes, yeah. Well, he had so many. I mean, the whole thing about Derek, and I think this is one of the reasons why whenever we did podcasts with him, he'd always go on tangent, is his mind never stopped, right? He was just always, he was just, his, his, his mind was, he, he could stay focused on something, but he was always had something else going on on the side. And so mm-hmm. in the Dylan stories, you see that where he brings in all these little references to stuff right. that, like other stories, other adventures, stuff that he had not even mm-hmm. written yet, but it's just the references are there. 
I think that one of the one of the projects that he talked about with me during during the Better in the Dark phases was what would happen is he would mention he had these little side characters and other writers would come up to him and said, I, I really like that character. Mm-hmm. And he came up with he was he wanted to do an anthology of just those characters written by other people. Yes, I remember that. Yeah. But but yeah no but that's the thing is that it's that wor- the world even though he he spent a lot of time in Dylan's world mm-hmm. that's barely been touched. Yeah yeah. So and you always got you always because that that's part of the problem I find with a lot a lot of movies these days actually mm-hmm. is that you ne- you don't get the sense of a world that's lived in. Mm-hmm. You get a sense of a world that is being manipulated to get you to watch future movies. Mm-hmm. You know, it's you can see the marionette strings. Like, okay, yes, here's here's Lobster Johnson, and he's only in one scene, but he'll be in next the next one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but you got the impression that, that there was this very vibrant world going on constantly. Yes. Yeah. And it wasn't it wasn't that it, it was that he had to pick and choose which story to tell. It wasn't that that he had no other stories. Yeah. And that was something that Derek really valued too was having because I remember when we were talking about uh Black Panther, one of the mm-hmm. one of the big things for for both of us in that movie was just how much the world of Wakanda had felt lived in in that movie. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> And you can tell from read from reading the Dylan stuff or, or pretty much anything Derek's right. written is that he really valued that feel that there's a world going on out around mm-hmm. the camera, around what you're seeing. I, and I think that's kind of the difference, the general difference between Marvel movies and DC movies. Oh, absolutely. These days. Yeah. Yeah. Is that I and and I I will defend Zack Snyder. But there was no ways, there was always the sense of the DC movies being done by committee. Yes, absolutely. Whereas Marvel films were done by committee, but there was always an individual stamp on them. And they yes. felt different and they felt varying. So the, the Marvel universe felt more varied and, and, and different. And there was all this stuff to explore. Yeah. But... Um, course if you ask me Zack Snyder should go into television believe it or not I think he should do 10 part 10 part series well I mean clearly he likes doing the long stuff so yeah he could do that's all the, the he thing. could I do all the promo he wants then <laughs> yeah no but that's the thing okay like like Watchmen Watchmen when I saw it in the theater I'm like okay that's probably the best we could ever do mm-hmm and I even like thought the ending was better mm-hmm. because I was never comfortable with the with the, the giant space squid. Mm-hmm. Then I got the director's cut, the three-hour director's cut. And what I found was not only did it flow better, but it flowed better if I watched it an hour each night over three nights, like a miniseries. Mm-hmm. I think that's his sensibility. His sensibility is more expansive, and I think that in trying to force it into a two-hour bottle, he is doing himself a disservice. Well, I had, um, 
you want to know my thoughts about because I had talked about the we had talked about the Watchmen movie um, way yeah. back in um, one of the early episodes. I think it was like episode probably five or six or something along, along mm-hmm. the line. So, so yeah, if you want to know my thoughts about that, I definitely have thoughts about okay. Zack Snyder and Watchmen. You can just episode seven. That was I, I, I know that I am in the minor the, the, the small minority amongst my amongst my peer group. Well, because I had come, a, well, one of the interesting things about me with that movie is I had come around on it. Like I, and I, I mean, oh, okay. I had come around from liking it to not liking it. So, uh, uh, so I had, I had first, I had a lot of this because when you guys did that episode of Better in the Dark when you were talking about Watchmen, and I had re-listened mm-hmm. to that episode before we did our own episode on it. So, right, I had gone back and I, and the first time I had listened to that episode and I had seen the movie, I, I was nodding right all along and with an agreement with you guys, and then. Right. Since then, after, because um, uh, I hadn't read Watchmen in, in years, and then I had read mm-hmm. it, um, like, before, shortly before we did that episode, when the CV show came out, and it was like, everybody, yeah. was, I went back and I reread the the graphic novel, paying a lot more attention to a lot of things in it, and actually reading the appendices, which I had not done in the, in the all yeah. the times. Um and after diving into all that and then rewatching the movie, like I, and that when I came to that frame of mind, I'm like, you know what? He's really not getting it. Like it's, it's all the visual mm-hmm. are there, but just like the, what was being said, he's just really missing the point. Right. Well, I, I think that trying to adapt a, a project like Watchmen is kind of silly to begin with. Well, yeah. I, I'm kind of, with Alan Moore on this in that because Watchmen is a comic about comics mm-hmm. that addresses things, you know, tropes and conventions that the comic industry had pretty much codified. Mm-hmm. It's trying to translate it into another medium. Will it, it will balance it's bound to lose stuff right which is why i think lindelof made the decision to to do the tv did show you tell the way a story with the take with the same tools as opposed right. to exactly yeah so it and it and plus like the 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 politics of watchmen and all that like it, he he like it was so rooted in in not only comic book tropes and all that but just so much in mm-hmm. war politics and right that stuff kind of get gets lost in in the movie but and Lindelof wisely says, like, well, we're not going to do Cold War politics because that doesn't make sense. Moore was right. commenting on what was happening in the world at the time. We're going to do the same mm-hmm. thing. We're going to comment on the world at the time. Right, right. But, um, yeah. No, but, it, uh, it's... but anyway, that's, uh, that, that's, an, I want to go, I want to get back to, yeah. <laughs> well, in true Derek fashion, tangent, we're going on we? a tangent. Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which I'm sure. Well, uh, looks like we just lost uh, Tom there for a minute up now okay so little technical difficulties uh this is the first yeah. time uh we're using zoom with a dial in so uh some unexpected things mm-hmm. are bound to happen uh anyway as we were saying um in true derek fashion we we were getting off on a tangent and then yes and uh in true podcast fashion we had some unexpected technical difficulties yes uh, we had that, that happen that was the... oh go ahead go ahead I was gonna say we had that happen a few times too when um, we, we were mm-hmm. trying to do a, a recording or something, and then I remember one time it was just we had just kept losing the connection or something was just, mm-hmm. and it was just this 
this unbelievable comedy of errors. And eventually we're just like, all right, you know, we're going to have to stop the episode right here because the internet's just not playing with playing nice with, with something. Yeah. Um, so. But anyway, uh, one yeah. of the things I wanted to, to, to say, and um, maybe we'll probably have to close out on this because we're already um, at an hour and change and whatnot. So, but I wanted right. to, because one of the things that, um, that I really liked about, uh, that I really enjoyed about doing the show with Derek was he always had these, what I call them Derek-isms, right? These little mm-hmm. like, these little like sayings he'd say that just like would come out of nowhere and they'd just be hysterical. And then you just look at him, you're like, how did you even think of that? My, my granddaddy used to say, there are three sides to every argument, your side, my side, and what really happened. <laughs> yeah. One of my, my favorite one of his was, when we, and this, when talking about Watchmen, because um, when we had mm-hmm. done our episode about Watchmen, we had talked about, um, you know, as, as usual, we'd gotten a tangent, and we had so many tangents about Zack Snyder and the right. DVDs. Um, and one of the things that he had said at that time was, we were talking about, you know, Zack Snyder would be great if you gave him characters that he was actually suited for. And right. one of them, we, I'd mentioned the question, and Derek said, the question, I would push an old lady down, a, down a, in a wheelchair down a flight of stairs to yeah. get a Zack Snyder question movie. Yes, yes. I, I remember, I remember <laughs> him saying similar thing. That's why on the Better in the Dark site, we had uh, a glossary. Mm-hmm. We had a glossary that, yeah. to explain what some of these things meant. Are there any that uh, that jump out to you? Jump out in your memory? Well, be, yeah, like I said, I, I've already said the the, the the three sides to every argument, mm-hmm. uh, and of course, the way he would go, I say that to say this. <laughs> oh God, yeah. But that once again, that's the thing—the immediacy, the spontane- spontaneity. Mm-hmm. That is, I think, what made him such a compelling friend and a compelling uh co-worker yeah yeah i'm actually going through and i'm listening to um all the episodes of of superhero cinephiles and making mm-hmm. notes of like points where he had said something that was just either really interesting really profound or just really funny and just making notes of mm-hmm. that and um i just I'd, I'd only gotten one episode in so far but i listened to the superman episode and he mm-hmm. gave this um he gave this really good, and it, it had a perfect examples of both those. Like he gave this really good description of what it means to be a hero, um, right? And how and why um, and why superheroes were were so important to him and all that. But then he had also mm-hmm. said that um, the first time he had shown his wife um, Patricia Superman the movie, and mm-hmm. when Lex Luthor came on the screen, she said, "She's like, oh, I get why you like this movie now." And he's like, "Why is that?" And he says, "Well, because you know Gene Hackman is Lex Luthor. That's you." <laughs> <laughs> oh well, Patricia Patricia kept comparing Derek and me to uh, Denny Crane and oh, the, the I forget what the name of the James Spader character was on the practice mm-hmm. she kept she kept saying that it's like I know why you you like that show Derek because that's you and, and that's Tom <laughs> You know, we so so yeah. She used to she used to do that. We used to. Oh, what was the? That, once again, this is another episode of Better in the Dark. I remember when, um, for some reason, we got into a conversation about who would play us. Mm-hmm. 
and oh, yeah, it's it's all I remember is is all these these great. The the time we got hijacked by Ken McIntyre, where we were starting the episode and he just took it over. Oh, And, and of course. And, and I think I would not be the medicated person who has done all this, had made all this progress I have made, if not for that episode. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you know which one I'm talking about. Uh, the one I'm, we would never refer to by name because I had such a breakdown on it. I'm like, and I, as I was editing and listening to him, I'm like, oh, no. No, this this is not what I want people to see me as. Ah, uh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that now. Yeah, you, you remember that ep- that episode. Um, I remember him doing telling his theory about Spider Man in the third episode, where he talked about the great thing about Spider Man: Spider Man wears a mask, so he can literally be anybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So no matter who you are, you can project yourself into Spider Man and identify with Spider Man. Mm-hmm. So, um, the, the stuff that we did with Des Reddick, mm-hmm. you know, cause you know, we did every Halloween Des, and we would get together and just once again, try to talk about six horror movies mm-hmm. and usually fail. <laughs> Why were I discovered a lot of, uh, a lot of obscure horror movies because of those episodes you did mm-hmm. like those, that those episodes, they taught me a lot, um, about, um, about different movies that I probably would have, and that was that was another thing that um, Derek really liked to do um, was he liked to mm-hmm. to let people know about other movies, and that was one thing that he was adamant about when we did this show, and I was I was too, is that we didn't want to waste time, you know, mm-hmm. tearing apart things we didn't like. Instead, we wanted to spend right. spend our time talking about things we liked, and we even found. And in our in the whole run of episodes we did, we did we so we covered sixty movies. We'd done sixty episodes mm-hmm. of, of the show together. Uh, Zack right. Snyder's Just League was supposed to be uh, sixty one, but in that time, and I had mentioned this on the show, I think there were only there were only a few movies that I could say I actively did not like, and that I couldn't right. find really anything good. One was Batman v Superman. Another one mm-hmm. was Steel. And if you want to hear. Because he had made, he had been threatening that he that he would choose steel. He had been threatening, Uh-oh. and because we had done a poll, because we were when we were leading up to our fiftieth episode, we decided yeah. let's do um we'll let the we'll let the listeners pick a movie, we'll do mm-hmm. a poll, and um and then we'll we'll watch it live and we'll and we'll record our commentary for it, right. and we were trying to get votes out, and Derek said, now look, if you motherfuckers don't vote then i'm gonna pick steel and, and sure enough you had some you had some wise asses in the comments being like you know what i kind of want to see you guys do steel now and then we had done um we'd done it last year and then we'd done it this year is he wanted to do uh in february he wanted to do he wanted us to spotlight uh, black superhero movies so, right. so the first year we did it right we did like black panther we did meteor man we did um mm-hmm. uh a bar and then uh this year mm-hmm. We had done, oh my god, a bar! Yeah, oh. we, we did a bar. Yeah. Oh my god! Uh, and uh, this year we had done, um, uh, we did Blade Two. We did, um, mm-hmm. 
Project Power, the the Jamie Foxx, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt right. movie. Mm -hmm. And um, we've done another one I'm blanking on right now. Um, but then we had also done, um, <laughs> and, he's, and then he said, he's like, all right, you know what? We're going to do Steel. And I'm like, oh. And I remember when we opened that episode, I had said to him, like, you know, like I, I opened the episode, and I just shook up, shook my head, and I said, I'm like, I, I fucking hate you for making me watch this movie. <laughs> <laughs> but I, goddamn, if it wasn't one of the funniest episodes we have ever done. Like, uh, but that's the thing. People enjoy hearing other people. It sounds horrible, me saying it, but people enjoy That's why one of the things that we used to say on Better in the Dark is we watch this shit so you don't have to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we, that, that, and that's something I try to keep in my partnership with Death nowadays. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, that, yes, even. Um, I, I, Derek has said to me, has said to me more than one occasion, you know, you can be a good movie, you can be a bad movie, just don't be a boring movie. Yeah, yeah. And, and there, and I, I'm one of these people that believes, and I'm sure Derek might have agreed with me, that there should be no such thing as a guilty pleasure. Yes, I think so too. I definitely agree. I think, I definitely I, I, I think if you, like, for example, I love The Return of Captain Invincible. Mm -hmm. so this is a, uh, a, a uh, podcast about superhero movies. There's Under Captain Invincible, which is directed by the French-born, Australian-raised uh, Felipe Mora. And it is bug-fucking-sane. <laughs> it, is, it, is, it is Alan Arkin plays a Superman stand. It was basically a parody of, super, of the Superman in the movie mm -hmm. with Alan Arkin as Superman and Christopher Lee as Lex Luthor. Oh wow! I got I got It's I, a musical. Oh my god! It is a musical with music by my, Richard O'Brien. I know Derek would have. I'm I'm surprised. I'm actually surprised that Derek has not picked that had not picked that movie. And because I, I think it's, I, that is, it's very difficult. It's very difficult to find. But the thing is, when I introduced him to it, mm -hmm. um. It was it was a joy because it's because yes it is not a good movie yeah yeah though the work of Philip, Felipe Mora is not good mm -hmm. as a whole but it has such this, this this energy it's like listening to a kid recount a story like a like a five year old kid recount a story in one breath <laughs> you know and then this happens and then this happens and then Christopher Lee sings a song about alcoholism and then this happens. Oh man, I, I'm I'm confident yeah. that if had had uh, had he had he, if he were still around, he would have definitely gotten around to to picking that at some point. Oh, oh for some reason, the, the film I've been thinking about a lot is The Beast Must Die. Oh the no, I was werewolf thinking movie. Oh, I was, go ahead. I was thinking about something else because he had written um he had written a book that was that was um an adapted screenplay from like some really from like a B movie or something. Um, right, and it, like had a similar title, so I just flash back to that real briefly, and I'm like, no, that no, was no. Else. It's like one of the one of the obscure because I, I I used to joke that um, there were like three different shows that we did every year that were that were like our our WrestleMania, our SummerSlam, and our um, Royal Rumble. Right, and one of them was the obscure horror movies episode, and one year he talked about. The Beast Must Die, which is a 
werewolf movie in a sort of in a sort of mystery framework mm-hmm. where Calvin Lockhart, a bunch of people he suspects are werewolves, mm-hmm. to his home and tries to determine which one is a werewolf so he can kill it. And at the towards the end of the film, the film takes what they call it's called a werewolf break. Mm-hmm. Where you're supposed to figure out who the real werewolf is. <laughs> and he had such glee describing this to me. And I had this image of, you know, the, the, the old Felix the Cat Clocks, you know, those Felix the Cat Clocks where the eyes would go back and forth in time with the. Yeah, yeah. So I had this image of this werewolf, this werewolf head with the eyes going back and forth and back and forth. <laughs> <laughs> so. But yeah, I mean, stuff like when we came up with Little Blade. Oh, I remember that, yeah. <laughs> little little Blade and, and, and Little, uh, you know, all, all that stuff. But that, that's, that was the joy. That was the, you didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think that that's what he wa- I think that's what he would want us, those of us who had the privilege of knowing him, to continue doing, is trying to create that sort of sense of wonder for other people. Yeah, yeah. And um, I think that's, that's, a, that's a good note to, to end on, as any. Um, it's just that idea. Also, of, stay safe, everybody. Wear your masks. Well, yeah, that was, that was something else he had, started, he had started signing off on, was he would say, test negative, stay positive. Yeah, and, well, I, I may use that because over in the Honeywell Experiment, you know, the Honeywell Experiment is a, a podcast I do with Chris Honeywell where we talk about grindhouse movies. And uh, there's this whole stupid backstory where I'm supposed to be this mad scientist. <laughs> and I started saying, guys, wear your mask. It's, it's nothing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and he, Chris says, that's not a very, that's not a very super villainy thing to say. I say, well, if I take over the world, there's nobody to, to boss around. Where is the fun? (laughs) (laughs) So, so yeah, people, please stay, stay safe. We're not doing it for, we're not asking you to do it for our benefit, but for your benefit. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I um, I have. Go ahead. So I just wanted to ask you, um, uh, where where can people find you uh, online? These days, I have, due to a bizarre set of circumstances, I have found myself as creative director of the Akadekagonagon Theater Works, a online audio drama troupe uh, that has been doing weekly productions since about November. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can find the ATW at their newly minted website, ATW.ninja. Okay. That's probably the best place to find. And, you know, there are other, I'm in other places too. I, I co-host, I'm one of the rotating co-hosts with Des Reddick on, uh, Dread Media. And I, you know, I do this Honeywell experiment once a month. So I just, I just... You can find me. Don't worry. And um, don't I worry, believe, guys. and if you can find me, I'll find you. And I believe um, uh, "Better in the Dark" is still uh, is still on the internet as well. Kalen and Kelly Loge. 
Kelly Loach, who probably has done so much for so many podcasters mm-hmm. and doesn't get nearly the credit he deserves, had maintained the Better in the Dark site, you can still access the episodes. And I think Kaylin and I are talking about uh, devoting a month to re-releasing the best episodes. Okay. So, so, um, so yes, you can I, find Better in the Dark, including including the the Hottie Hall of Fame, <laughs> and all the all, including the glossary, all the weird shit we put on that that site. Mm. Yeah. Um, I don't see the website. It's oh, I know here is uh, bitdsite.wordpress.com, and it is still on Apple Podcasts, uh, Player right. FM. It's on Audible even. Um, uh, mm-hmm. Pod Bay, yeah. So anywhere you, if you have not listened to to those episodes, you know, go back and uh, and re-listen to to Better in the Dark. There's a ton of content on there. I mean, you guys did that. Sorry, you said for like seven years you did it. Seven years, most of it almost without fail on a bi-weekly schedule. Right. Yeah. Um, and the thing is, of course, it's weird being referred to by other podcasts as a first-generation podcaster. But there are other podcasts that said, yeah, you know, we listened to Better in the Dark. We said we could do this better than those guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, but yeah, no, and, and they're interesting. The thing about the internet now is that your your moments in time are frozen. Right. Your good moments and your bad moments. That's why you gotta be careful out here. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, no, this is a moment in time of seven years of a of, uh, of friendship of two people who were like brothers to each other. Mm-hmm. God, I sound so pretentious. Um, and keep in mind, though, that I'm sure our opinions on some of these movies changed. Yeah. <laughs> but um, there you go. Yeah, it's, so uh, it's, it's an interesting time capsule, and you get you get to hear the episode where I fell asleep. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and there's a, the, there's a lot of stuff on there. Like just looking at it um, on Audible, Audible has a total count of 172 episodes. So that's like um, yes, including I think we had 160 official episodes. Right, then you had like 12, a bunch. Yeah, and you had like 0. 0.5 episodes. episodes. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Which were which were little stop gaps when we were having problems with our schedule mm-hmm. uh, that were supposed to be uh, a half an hour mm-hmm. each, and uh, we did uh, we did one about the the, the Colorado shooting mm-hmm. back when these kinds of tragedies were less ubiquitous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but we you know we would just anything like. I think one of the frankest conversations we ever had is on one of those 0.5 episodes, which is the the one we talked about racism. Yeah, we had. Um, I remember when we did um, when we did the when we covered the Watchmen TV show. Mm-hmm. We done we done a three parts episode on that three part series on that, and um, mm-hmm. and we had a lot of really good uh, conversations about that same topic at, and about like American history and all that kind of stuff. And, right. And like that was like not only was Derek just. Um, just a fun guy to be around someone who knew a lot around knew a lot about movies, mm-hmm. and, but he knew a lot period. Like he was right. one of the most 
well-educated men I've ever known. Like he knew so much about like anytime you want to ask Derek about something, like I remember there's almost, I could never stump him with a movie. Mm-hmm. Like I'd, I bring up some movies like, Oh yeah, I've seen that. And, but mm-hmm. like, even like uh, historical knowledge too, he was the same way. Like there were so many things like, I mean, when, and cause he was one of those types of people who just love to keep learning. Cause I remember we did, um, mm-hmm. he came on Japan on film to do, uh, to cover the, the Japanese remake of Unforgiven. And right. One of the things, and when we were talking that episode, um, one of the things he mentioned on there was that because there was this whole subplot involving the Ainu, the indigenous, uh, the indigenous mm-hmm. people in in Japan, in northern Japan, and there was one character, there was a whole Ainu subplot, and he said he's like, I was so interested in this that I, as soon as the movie was over, I went and I looked up stuff about the Ainu. Well, he was a firm believer of of something that I like to distill into the saying the man who who claims to know everything is only admitting he knows nothing yeah yeah so um he was new ideas fascinated him oh my when i brought him uh a in like 65 i think mm-hmm. somebody put together a, a paperback called for bond lovers only Mm-hmm. And in that paperback was an article by um, John Dulles mm-hmm. about Soviet science cities. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he got fascinated with this. When, when I, 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 he read that, he was just like totally fascinated by the idea that, that there were these little American cities throughout, throughout the USSR where spies were were trained to learn how to be American. Yeah. I think he may have been the one I learned that from, because I think he was the one who told me about that. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's a, it's a just, I mean, we would find these things and we would share them and we would talk about just people. I think people think that they, they, they stop learning. Mm-hmm. Once they get out of school. No, guys, no. You should always be learning. Yeah. So, so that's um, another thing we can yes. do. Yeah. Try to and try to learn as much as you can. Um, you know, keep educating yourself. Um, keep creating, keep finding, keep, you know, watching new movies, watching obscure movies, because those are the ways watch really, Yeah. Watch those, older movies. Yeah. I'm talking to you, you younger whippersnappers, because I know that there's a whole generation of you that, that don't want to watch anything before 1977. Mm-hmm. But there's a whole, yeah, a whole slew of films that, yes, they're slower than you than you want. They're uh, have a different cadence, mm-hmm. but they're amazing. Yeah, and the re- reason some of these, the reason all you chuckleheads who talk about what a great film Joker was. Obviously, haven't Joker, otherwise known as my Martin Scorsese fan fiction. Let me tell you something. <laughs> go go back and watch Taxi Driver. Mm-hmm. That'll learn you some. I'm sorry that that pisses me off. <laughs> that that and, movie pissed me off. <laughs> we had actually covered that movie. Uh, Derek had uh, had yeah. that was one of Derek's picks. We did that. Um, I think last year. I want to say. Uh, but yeah, so we did, um, uh, we did, we did Joker. We did a whole bunch of stuff uh, spanning 
you know, all the way back from like Batman 66, uh, A Bar, mm-hmm. and like, you know, to even, um, you know, Avengers and Age of Ultron. I think and the three of us have said more about A Bar than probably, anybody else has. Probably, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> probably right there, yeah. All right. Um, Tom, it, it, it's been a pleasure. Uh, it's been great talking to you again. Thank you, uh, Thank you for having me. And guys, stay safe and learn yeah, things. Yeah. Thanks so much for, for coming on. Um, as we've been saying, as we've been saying, um, you can go over to, uh, superhero cinephiles.com. We do have links to, to Derek's, uh, website. There is a link for, um, his his fiction website, uh, fergusoninc.com, as well as a link to his Ferguson theater, Ferguson theater. Yeah. yeah, Derek L. Ferguson.com. Um, and you know, go through and read some of those reviews because he he wrote so many reviews and he he covered mm-hmm. not only big movies but you know but really but old movies obscure movies he he had um he he was not discriminating in what kind of movies he would watch he he's that's got a another lot of stuff thing you guys can do that's another thing you guys can do if you want if you want to honor his memory go on to the Ferguson Theater find a move a, a movie that he reviewed that you never saw before. And I'm not talking about one of these films that you were going to get to anyway, mm-hmm. preferably a film made before you were born. Yeah. Yeah. And watch it. Yeah. He's got a ton of movie reviews on there. Uh, also, you know, buy his books. If you haven't yet, uh, you could, yes. I'm pretty sure he'll have, there are links to all of them on Ferguson Inc. If not just type his name mm-hmm. into, into Amazon, like you'll find his Amazon page. Tons of stuff yeah. he wrote. He published through Pulpwork Press, through Pro Se, through Airship 27. You know, lots of content on there if you have not sampled his work. So please make sure to do that. Um, but that does it for, for this uh, special episode um, where Superhero Cinephiles crosses over with Better in the Dark for a revival. Goes um, back in time. Goes back in time, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> We're, um, I still haven't decided uh, what's going to happen with the show going forward. Um, a lot of people mm-hmm. have said that they want it. They want to hear it continuing. So if, if you're one of those people who wants to to see the superhero cinephiles go on, you know, please uh, let me know. Drop me an email. Um, also, I did say that I want to put together uh, a memorial episode with people contributing their thoughts, their their memories or, or whatnot about, about Derek, about his life, um, about his work. So if you have not, I've gotten a few responses already, but if you have not done that, uh, if you could just record a little bit of audio or a little bit of video of just yourself one to two minutes or so, and just send it over to superhero cinephiles at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening. Um, it's going to be a unusual time at the podcast here for a little while while we try to figure things out and try to, give Derek, um, uh, the, the kind of, um, the kind of send off that, that he deserves and he would appreciate. Thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you next time. You have been listening to the superhero cinephiles podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at super cinema pod. Join our Facebook group by searching for superhero cinephiles, where you can interact with us and other superhero fans. If you'd like to support the show, you can become a regular supporter at Patreon or make a one-time donation through PayPal, both of which can be found at our website, SuperheroCinephiles.com. If you buy or rent any movies through the Amazon links at our site, it helps support the show. Please be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.
for listening. And as always, good night, good evening, God bless.